Who is Jesus? What is he doing? And what does it mean to follow him in the world today? My name is Matt Lewis. This is the Follower Podcast, and everyone is invited to the conversation. So hello, everybody uh, from the Follower Podcast, and uh, really, really good to be with you guys for this episode. On this episode, we have a gentleman with him with us whose name is Dan Bauman. Now, Dan, he's... <laughs> so if you've been tracking with us in the journey, every week has kind of had like a, a syllabus. So we looked at Holy Spirit and Jesus. But Dan, his week is the Dan Bauman week. He, get, he got his own week, basically. <laughs> and uh, when, I, when I was looking at that, I thought to myself, well, I mean, what kind of guy gets his own week? There must obviously be something to it. And, and then Dan, I don't know. I just wanted to encourage you, man. When you were sharing this week... Uh, it was so evident to me that like your life is your message in reality and there's so much packed into there and even I, I was thinking should I do this podcast just myself and like sim- simplify and summarize everything I've been hearing but I just wouldn't even know where to start and so um, thank you so much for coming and just mm. spending some time just to share your story with us and then off the back of that story we'll just kind of maybe ask some questions and, and see where that lands if that's okay with you. Yeah it's great. So, yeah, if we can just kick it off, maybe you could just tell us your story. Tell us uh, kind of where you grew up, a little bit of that beginning, and then lead us through the story. And then off the back of that, maybe we'll have some questions uh, that we could end with in the end. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a privilege to be here and just share my heart. And just to tell a story. And again, for me, it's just so simply just the fact that God is good. And... Yeah, the more I realize that, I realize he's actually really good. <laughs> and then the more I realize that, I realize he's actually really, really good. <laughs> and uh, my theology has gotten really simple. It's just add another really, you know? <laughs> yeah, because God's just really, really, really good. Yeah. And it's kind of all we really want to discover. But since it doesn't really seem that easy to discover... We find so many different other tangents to fall into on how to live the Christian life. But in my journey, it's been one of just discovering how good God is again and again. And uh, parents are from Europe, Swiss, dad, Swedish mother. They met in Los Angeles, as you do. Yeah. (laughs) And and they decided to uh, live there. My dad is a carpenter. And through that, my family, older sister, younger sister, and me, we heard a lot about YWAM growing up because there was some affiliation with our church. But we did not know what that meant for us, if anything. And it was my older sister who decided to do a DTS. And she decided to stay on in YWAM after that. And she's now been in YWAM over 40 years. Wow. And her and her husband have pioneered YWAM in Nepal and India. Wow. Both of which are thriving with thousands of staff and thousands of churches planted and just so much happening Amazing. all around those nations. And so just for people who are listening who don't know, YWAM, obviously that's where I am, Youth of the Mission. The DTS is a discipleship training school. That's what I'm currently doing. And to pioneer a community means that uh, a lot of, what a lot of guys do is they kind of pray and they ask God for nations and spaces, and they go to those spaces, and they start works that currently don't exist. And so to pioneer, it's almost like break new ground of Christian communities, very often in nations that are unreached. 
And so you were saying in, in, in this context, your sister was in Nepal and in India. Yeah, and both of those places at that point did not have a youth with a mission expression. Wow. And so she started it. We have kind of a flagship in the youth with a mission. It's a six-month discipleship course, which has evolved, um, called DTS, Discipleship Training Schools, where we now run, um, yeah, almost a thousand of those a year all over the world. Yeah. And it was that that kind of was the push once people wanted to live in India and Nepal that they thought they would run one. Yeah. And one thing about it is that it's actually been the multiplier of workers as people do at school and then they want to stay on. And that's what happened over there yeah. to where both now are thriving. Wow. 90% run by locals Amazing. in Nepal and India. Wow. And yeah, they're just doing super well. My older sister raised her two kids there and that became their journey. I've been in YWAM 31 years. I was 10 years in Afghanistan. And then uh, seven, eight years in Colorado. And then the last 11 years, I've been at uh, one of our main training centers in North America, which is actually in Hawaii, a place called Kona, Hawaii. And you know the reality of walking with God, like sometimes you're just not really sure what God's saying. Mm -hmm. But when God told me to go to Hawaii, I felt peace right <laughs> I just felt, okay, well, that's the Lord. You know, like, gotta be, gotta be gotta with him, God. God. <laughs> so yeah, you gotta obey, right? And... Uh, with that came an extra many trips that have been part of my story. And while I was living in Afghanistan, I went on a trip into Iran, mm -hmm. where I ended up being incarcerated for nine weeks. Mm. Thought it would be the rest of my life. Mm. And God got me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then my younger sister has been in YWAM uh, now for over 35 years, yeah. raising her four kids in, in northern India. And so all the kids became missionaries. My parents followed suit. Mm -hmm. They decided to join YWAM. My father's passed away, blessed with a very godly mom when she found out that I was in prison in Iran. In the first public prayer meeting, this is what she prayed. God, I pray that Dan doesn't get out of prison till all your purposes are fulfilled. Amazing. And yeah, <laughs> just blessed with a godly mom. Wow. And she's actually written a book about releasing your kids to the Lord. Wow. Because how she's seen it as such a blessing that her kids chose a missional lifestyle yeah. away from home. So my own journey, I grew up in the church, but Christianity was really in my head, not in my heart. Yeah. And I just didn't know how to get it, that 18-inch journey, you know? Mm. And... Yeah, what was Christianity? It was a bunch of rules, you know, you do this and this, you don't do this and this. And, and then when I was 16, someone came to my church and said something that not only would change my life then, but what I didn't know is it would continue to change my life even till today. And he said this, he said, everything you do for God needs to come from intimacy with God. So I thought, well, what's that, you know? And I took the afternoon off after I'd heard it a few times, and then I just started thinking, and I found a river, and I just picked up rocks and just chucking them in the water and, and trying to think through, well, how do you get intimacy with God? Yeah. Like, what does that look like? Mm. And as I thought that, I heard a voice in my head, and it was a simple question. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? 
So I thought, what was that? So I kept throwing the rocks, like, how do you get friendship with God, like, on Monday, or Tuesday, Wednesday? Like, at the stores, or at your job, or when you're playing sports? And I had no idea. For me, it was, yeah, there's this guy up front telling his story, but that's not going to connect to my story. And as I thought through this, I heard that voice again. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? So I'm like, what's this? And this went on for a while. I just couldn't figure out, like, what was I supposed to do to get my Christian life into that place that I think it should go with this idea called intimacy with God? But the whole time I'm thinking, I kept hearing this question. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? So I finally stopped. Like, where is that voice coming from? So I thought, well, it's not the devil, probably, because he wants to throw rocks at us, you know, (laughs) not with us. And I don't think it's me unless I'm going crazy. But it can't be God. No, it can't be God because God's out there, you know. And God's great and he's amazing. And he's really only interested that I do spiritual things. That I do the holy thing, the right thing. Throwing rocks is not important. Like it's a random moment in Dan's random life. Why would God ever want to do that? So I kept throwing rocks, but I kept hearing it. Hey, Dan, can I throw rocks with you? So I finally stopped. I'm like, yes, Jesus. If that's you, yes, of course, you can throw rocks with me. Why not? But why? Why do you want to do that? And that's when I felt like God looked down from heaven and said these words right to my mouth. Because you want to. Wow. And I'm like, that's it? And God's like, that's it. And for the first time in my life, I found out that Jesus was madly in love with He wasn't just in love with me for what I would do for him. No, he liked me for me. And it was on that day that I found out about the unconditional love of God. So many times in my life I struggled with this thought of unconditional love, you know? Yeah, it's unconditional, but you better do this. Yeah, it's unconditional, but don't do that. On that day I found out it is unconditional. Like there's nothing we can do in our entire life that will make God love us more than he loves us right now. As I travel, I meet two kinds of Christians. Those that are living for the Father's approval and those that are living from the Father's approval. And there was something in my heart that was like, yeah, if I just do a little bit more, God will be happy with me. If I can just do one more thing, it'll be good. And then I was learning, wait a minute, no, no, I'm in. (laughs) And I could live my whole life from that reality to know that he loves me and nothing's going to change that. Oh my goodness. As I discovered the unconditional love of God, I didn't know that it would continue to be my journey throughout my whole life. Wow. My journey's been like this. Many days waking up, going, Jesus, good morning. What should I do today? And God saying, Dan, good to see you. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But first, here's more of my love. And life goes on, and I'm like, okay, I know you love me, but what should I do? And God's saying, Dan, good to see you. We'll talk about that later. But here's more of my love. (laughs) And I've realized that the love of God is an unending ocean. 
Like it never wants to run, end. It's never going to run dry. And I'm discovering that the Christian life is really waking up and letting God love you. Amazing. Wow. Waking up and discovering that he's for us and he's with us. And everything else being an overflow of that. Because love is the deepest motivator of the human heart. And when you know you're loved, you want to love back. Yeah. How do you love someone back? You find out what's on their heart. And Christianity was always meant to be very, very simple. God loves us, and we get to respond and love him back. Yeah. How do we love him back? We find out about his love for people, and we go after loving them. Amazing. And that is the Christian life. It's the life that yeah, I walked into. And from that point, I just, yeah, have fallen in love with God over and over and over again. Yeah. And how old were you when, when this revelation happened, when you're there by the river? How, when, when is that in your life? I was 16. 16 years old. And so today you are? 55. Wow. So you've been walking in that and deeper understandings of that for those years? All those years, yeah. It's just only gotten better and better with that concept. It's amazing. And I think one of the things that I so appreciate about you sincerely is like when you, the very first session that you had with us, um, you carry joy. Hmm. It's like joy floods the room. Like <laughs> when you, when you do your first session, I was like falling off my chair. I, could, I was just laughing till I was crying. And I said to a friend afterwards when I was reflecting on it, it wasn't entertainment. It wasn't about that. It was like you had joy you know mm -hmm. and and the more i hear your story and the more you share with us the more i realize that your joy is like is it's like the sacred redemptive joy mm -hmm. that actually comes on the other side of like some pretty difficult stuff yeah you know and i think even when you talk about the christian life is just knowing how much god loves you yeah i think a lot of people could listen into that with a cynical ear and go well that's easy for you to say but you don't understand my situation you know and um, when I listened to your story, I realized that of all people, you have reason not to believe that, mm. you know, and yet you do. And you don't believe it in half measure. You, you believe it so defiantly, you know, and so profoundly. Yeah. Um, could you speak a little bit into that? Yeah, you know, the love of God just began to win my heart. And with that came this really unashamed openness to do whatever I was led to do. Yeah. And in my journey, it happened to be to go tell Muslims about Jesus. Yeah. And I fell in love with Muslims. And I started making trips into Muslim areas, and I started to realize that that was maybe something God had for me. Long story short, I ended up moving to Afghanistan. I lived there for 10 years working in a hospital, and it changed my life. And I look at that, um, yeah, it's just such a great, great privilege in life. Um, was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. We had a curfew every night on the city of 6 p.m. We had no running water. We had 10 to 20 rockets landing in the city of Kabul where I was living. It was a much worse political and war zone time than now. And I went there to run a hospital. It was the only way to get a visa in the country. I'd gotten a business degree and that's what I went to do. And I lived there and I had to learn the language, but it changed my life. Why? Because of, uh, yeah, the privilege to walk with God. But more than that, it was just the privilege to learn about God and to walk with God with Afghan people. Yeah. And I fell in love with them. 
And I just loved being around them. And yeah, the hardships of being there, the hardships of, yeah, we had many days where the airport shut down. We had many days of uh, sickness, many days of challenges. But it really faded because of the joy of who I was with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the Christian life is really not about fixing our problems or getting things fixed, though that can be a nice thing sometimes. But the Christian life, I find, is not what you're doing or the struggles you have. It's who you're with. Wow. And could it be that just simply being with God is that good? Yeah. It's like the concept, if I gave you $20, or $2,000, which would you choose? Mm. Well, we would all choose the 2000 And then I like to ask the simple question, if you chose the 2000 out of your two choices, would you worry about the 20 you didn't get when you take the 2000 And reality is, it's like, no, we're not gonna think about it, why? Because what you got was so much better. Right. And could it be that the Christian life, even if life's good, but also, even if life's hard, also if even his life, life's really hard, he can be so good that even those hardships really don't matter mm. compared to the joy of knowing him. Amazing. And that's been my journey. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I so, so learned there in Afghanistan. Wow. And I think people listening in, again, there may be the question of why would an American guy go all the way to Afghanistan? to tell people about Jesus. And I love that your answer for that is, uh, it's a simple overflow of a revelation of how good Jesus is. And so for you, you push very strongly against this kind of like, um, I guess a theology of like, what we have to do and what we ought to do. And your deep conviction is like, the, the, the great commission, the mission of God is really overflow of encounter and overflow of intimacy and joy, right? And so it's like, You've seen so much of Jesus, why, how could you not? That's almost what I pick up. Mm. Is, is, would that be true? Oh yeah, that's very much how I describe it. Like I, I think the Christian life is one of a growing curiosity. Wow. Okay, God's good, but, well, I think he's actually maybe better than that. Yeah. Like he's really good. Yeah. And then you begin to live with him and see his goodness again and again, and it gets you curious again, like, well, maybe he's actually better than that. And could that curiosity so be in a growing place that struggles or even hardships become a bit of a whatever? Why? Not because they're whatever, but because there's something so much better there. And his name is Jesus. Mm. And with that comes this longing to want to not only please him, but this longing that everybody else knows him. The Great Commission was never meant to be a challenge of something we should do. The Great Commission was always meant to be the natural overflow of every Christian's life because they can't help it. Wow. That they're just so excited about getting to know this God, discovering who he is, that of course they want him to be known by others. Yeah. Of course they want to help others. Of course they believe that God can help that guy and that guy and that girl and that family. Why? Because it's just who Jesus is. Yeah. And so that discovery of how good Jesus is is something we just want others to know, not because I should tell them who Jesus is, no. I want to tell them about who Jesus is because I can't help it. Yeah. It's just too good to keep inside. Yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah, that's been my journey. Yeah. 
So and with that, yeah, you're willing to take risk. You're willing to do things that maybe are out of the norm yeah. and go to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel I'm gone to the ends of the earth out of a calling. Yeah. No, I've gone to the ends of the earth because why wouldn't I? Yeah. yeah. It was just something to do because God's so good. Yeah. It makes me think of that passage in Corinthians where it says we're compelled by love. Yeah. Like love controls us and yeah. so we must go, you know. And so then that took you to Iran. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about that, your Christmas trip, and then how that developed into something that would change your life in a lot of ways? Very much so, yeah. Me and my friend is actually South African, Stuart Tim from Peter Marisburg. Uh, we met overseas there in that part of the world, and we decided to go on a two-week trip into Iran. And we had a wonderful two weeks. We both got visas. I'm half Swiss. My dad is a Swiss-American. We had a great two weeks visiting lots of people. We're very, very amazed at the fact that there is such a hunger for God. And with that is, yeah, one of the fastest growing churches in the world today. And we hear all the negatives of the oppression of the government. But among the masses underneath that, there is just a hunger for God. And with that, we enjoyed our two weeks meeting many of these people, being in their homes, enjoying their hospitality, and just enjoying the nation. But that changed upon leaving. And that's when they took us to a building. I speak their local language the same as Afghanistan. And it was there that they beat us late into the night. They took away all our clothes. There was never an explanation why. They put us in prison clothes, took us to another building, and separated us and put me into one cell and my friend into another one. And without any explanation, we were imprisoned in Iran. So many things I could tell about my being in prison in Iran. But the first and probably one of the best things to say is about the goodness of God. Because the reality is, is in a place like that, when I began to realize I could be there the rest of my life, that I could sit there the rest of my life, the fact that God is good and the fact that I can say that now is such a blessing because it's like, why did I even think that? And yes, I had my struggles, but the goodness of God never changed. And I got a very dramatic moment in the very beginning that shows it. And that's in my first hour of being in prison. I cried out to God, how long will I be here? And I thought God said clearly to my heart, you'll be here for nine weeks. Of course, I thought that's not God in the beginning. You know, maybe nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But long story short, I never knew anything about my case. I ended up having two death sentences on my life, one for being a missionary, one for being a spy. But I was released nine weeks to the minute. Amazing. Exactly when God said <laughs> And in retrospect, it just is such a picture of how big and good God is. Amazing. My room was very small, two by three meters, and I was alone the whole time. And there was a toilet and a sink, and this was my life. I slept on the floor. I had one blanket, and I never knew when I would get out. And I lived there. Mm. And with that just came some crazy stories of the goodness of God. <laughs> yeah. They took me one day to a courthouse 
Yeah, tell us about this. This is so strong. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, it became very, very real that anything outside of believing that I'd be there a long time was just a random thought. Because staying there day by day was just sinking in like, like this is real. This is my new life. Mm. And one day they took me to a courthouse and they said, ah, it's your trial. I'm like, what? And that's when I found more officially that I had these two death sentences on my life. They take me into a room and it was a courtroom. Lots of people. And they had me stand there in my prison clothes. And the judge looks at me and says this. Tell us today why. This is your last chance to speak. Why did you come to Iran? I would love to tell you I... I, you know, uh, wasn't afraid. No, I was afraid. <laughs> and I remember that moment shaking. And as I did, the scripture from Luke 10, 19 came into my mind. Do not be afraid when you call before the authorities. For that time, I'll give you the words to say. And then something happened. And all I can say is the grace of God, the truth of who I was, rose up above the fear and the insecurity and I looked at the judge and I said, Sir, I came here today to tell you about Jesus Christ. <laughs> and as soon as I said it, I'm like, what? How could I say that? Like, I know there's problems to say that. And then the truth of who I really was started to overshadow the fear. Wow. Overshadow the challenges. And so I said it a third time. And when, every time I said it, it was like the fear was falling away. And the truth of what I really believed and what I really wanted to say came out. And I ended up preaching over half an hour. <laughs> and I just started proclaiming the love of God. And again, all glory to Jesus. Wow. But it was one of the most special days in my life because I got to see that the truth of who God is and the fact that he wants to use us are real and, yeah, easy or easier normal life, but it's also true in the hardest of conditions. Yeah. And that he was with me and he helped me. Yeah. And it changed my life. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. <laughs> wow. But yeah, a very, very special day. Yeah. And your time in prison was not easy. Uh, would you feel comfortable sharing with us a little bit about uh, the sink and everything that was happening there? Yeah, yeah, no, it uh, was really up and down in the beginning. I do have that highlight moment of, of being able to share the gospel, but what preceded it was some of the lowest days of my life. Um, terrible days, days that were just confusing, days wondering where I was and why I was there, and definitely wondering when I would get out. It became very clear after a while that yeah, I couldn't hear God. He felt like far away. Why was I even there? And with that came this reality that, yeah, I might really be there a long time. And it could be months, it could be years. And that just sort of sunk in. And with that came a day when I woke up, and I call it my worst day of my life. And I woke up, and everything inside of me was done. And I'm like... If I'm going to sit here the rest of my life, why sit here? Like, check out. And I looked in the room and I saw the sink. And I knew I could plug it with a, my sock. I could fill it with water. And if I put my head under that water, they'd given me a big towel. 
If I tie it super tight on one end, put my head under the water and put the towel over my head, I could tie it really, really tight on the other end. And if I tie it tight enough, then when I can't breathe, I can't untie it fast enough. And I thought to myself, Dan, do it. Five, six minutes, you're free. You're out of here. Why spend your life here? And four times I tried. And every time I tried, I was too scared. I was too scared to tie the towel tight. And I'll never forget that last time. Again, I tried and again I failed. And all of a sudden, I couldn't do it. I, when I couldn't breathe, I could jerk my head out because I hadn't tightened it enough. And that's when something broke inside. And as I fell to the ground, I have never been aware of my shame like I have been on that day. I haven't felt broken like I've been on that day. Like, Dan, what are you doing? Like you're trying to kill yourself. And there was this bitter reality of my shame just had overtaken my life. I've had a few visions in my life, and this was one of those. As I lied there, the room starts to shake. And as it shakes, I lift my head from the ground. As I lift it from the ground, I'm looking at the light. As I look at the light, the light became this really shiny, bright light. And as I'm staring, all of a sudden comes a vision of Jesus. Very similar to the movies we might have seen. A Middle Eastern face, but it was filled with kindness, acceptance, and love. And as I stared into his eyes, I felt like the hands of God came underneath me and he said these simple words, Dan, I love you, and I promise I'll take care of you. And from that day until today, I have never had those thoughts again. Praise God. That's and that's who Jesus wow. is. He did not just rescue me from prison. He rescued me from me. Yeah. And in the midst of my pain, he was with me. And it was only after that, as I saw the deliverance of God at the most rawest levels, that I got to see the goodness of God as I did in that courthouse, to see that God could use me in that place. Yeah. And I think, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, one of the revelations that I've been having over this time is that the biggest lesson you took away from all this time was in the midst of all the difficulty, it was the kindness of God breaking you free from your enslavery to self. And, I mean, the fact that you can have that perspective off the back of that experience is miraculous, you know. And you said something to me, I think it was over breakfast today. It was like, you know, that God wants to get us out of the prison of self. And when that happens, when you get that freedom, then even if you're in a prison, you're free, you know. Um, and I just think people listening in at this again... You know, they may not be able to relate to a prison or whatever, but very often their circumstance can feel overwhelming. But your conviction is that Jesus can so free us that regardless of what we're actually facing, we're free. Very much. Yeah. It's been not only my reality of prison, but as I've shared, you know, already that image of $20 or $2,000, could it be that over and over again in life, that even hardships and even really hardships or even very awareness of our own personal issues and our struggles and how we're not doing what we should or you know, measuring up to some standard, that even with ourselves, 
that getting ourselves sorted out is so minor compared to the beauty of God. Wow. And the more I spend time staring and enjoying the beauty of God, yeah, change, even getting changed or figuring out my life becomes so secondary yeah. because of how beautiful God is. Yeah. And there's a wonderful byproduct when we get overwhelmed by the grace and reality of God, is that as we stare at God, He will help make us like Jesus. Yeah. And so this preoccupation of, well, if I get my act together, I'll become more like Jesus. Well, there's someone more committed to make us like Jesus than us, and that's called God. Yeah. So God wants us to simply stare at him, be overwhelmed by him, and then he will transform us. Wow. Rather than focusing on getting transformed and then doing something for God. No, God is more than able to transform us as we look to him. Incredible. And that, to me, is a real life-changing reality for me. Because I spent so much time in my life aware of my sin, aware of my problems, and aware of how I needed to change and the things I should do. And now I just think about how beautiful Jesus is, and I look back many days and think, oh, I don't struggle with that anymore. Oh, I haven't had that thought in a while. Oh, why do, am I so happy? Oh, why is joy coming? because there is an overflow reality of the greatness of God and the joy and the peace and like Jesus-ness that he wants to give us that's available yeah. by looking at him. Amazing. And that was really, really the call of the disciples, you know, as they simply were overwhelmed by this man when he called them to follow him while they were fishing. Hmm. And that is the Christian life again and again. And so, yeah, just all glory to Jesus. Come on. And there's one more story that really stood out to me from your time in prison was uh, this, this relationship you had with the man who would beat you every day and uh, just how God moved in you and redeemed that whole situation. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, again, I'll glory to God. But this one was more of a process. It wasn't just a one-time moment. But on that very first day, I was beaten, and it turns out I was beaten every day by that same man and only that man. And the first day he beat me, it was many hours. And I remember as he was beating me that first day, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke right to my heart with a simple question. Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. <laughs> I'm just like, that is not God. Because <laughs> there's no way, right? Yeah. There's no yeah. way. There was no justice in that moment. Yeah. There's no way I should want to or can love that guy. And as I kept receiving the beatings, it came again. Dan, I want to teach you to love your enemies. And I just thought, how in the world? And then I felt Jesus ask me a question. Dan, ask me what I think of him. And that got me. Because as I asked God what he thought of him, all of a sudden life wasn't about me anymore. And life was about what God thinks about, which is, yes, me, but it's also his love for everybody else. And when I said that, Jesus, what do you think of this man? The love of God hit me. And I realized how much God loved him, how much God was for him, how much God knew his name and cared for his family. And there was just one challenge, and it was that he didn't know it yet. And it hit me like, God, you really love him. 
And I felt like God said, Dan, you have no idea. So, so much. And I said, God, change my heart. Change my heart. And all glory to Jesus. Over the coming weeks, I kept getting beaten, but God started to rearrange my heart. And I started to bless this man. I started to say nice things about him. I started to pray for him. And I could feel the love of God becoming greater than the moment. What I didn't know is what would happen later. And I also didn't know that the last time I'd see him would be the last day I'd see him. They take me out. Every time I went out to see him, it was, yeah, just so scary. Like, where's, what's he gonna do again? He's gonna hit me harder. Yeah. And on this day, I'm standing there and I looked at him and all I can say is something happened. And all I can say is it was Jesus. But I looked at him on that day and I said this. I said, sir, if I'm gonna see you every day, the rest of my life, let's become friends. <laughs> and he's like, what? I said, you know, friends. Like, yeah, we see each other every day, let's be friends. And he looked at me like, never, we'll never be friends. And something rose up within me. All I can say is it's the goodness of God. And something overcame the fear that I was experiencing. And I looked at him again. I said, no, sir, today things change. Let's be friends and let's start by exchanging names. We had never exchanged names. That wasn't allowed. Yeah. I was number 58. His name was Razak, but I wouldn't have known that. It was just unknown. He had never told it to me. And so that was our situation. And I looked at him again. I said, no, no, sir, today we become friends. Why don't we shake hands? and exchange names. And that's when I stuck out my hand. And when I did that, he froze. When he froze, he started to shake. As he started to shake, he started to look around. It's just me and him in there. And then he reached out his hand and he grabbed my hand. And as he shook my hand, he wouldn't let go. As he shook my hand, tears started to come down his face. And he finally looks at me and he says, Dan. And he called me by my name. He said, my name is Razak and I would love to be your friend. Wow. And it was in that moment I, I discovered that there is no heart to heart for Jesus. Yeah. And we kept shaking hands. He finally let go and he wiped the tears from his eyes. He's like, Dan, I'm so glad we're friends. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> He's like, Dan, I can't get you out. I said, I know that. He's like, can I give you something in the prison, like something else, help you in a way? And I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, I want a bigger room. <laughs> He's like, let me see what I can do. And I've never seen that man again in my life. But later that night, the guards came to my room and they said, sir, we have orders to move you to a bigger cell. Come on. So I know that God had changed that man's heart. Wow. Because there's no heart to heart for Jesus. Amazing. And yeah, I got to see the love of God transform that man's life. Incredible. Yeah. And so um, nine weeks to the day, to the minute. To the minute. You came out of prison. Came out of prison. They took me to a courthouse, not thinking or knowing why or what's going on. And as I got there, they take me to an office where the head judge of all the courts of Iran, 
he says this. He says, today, because of our friendship with Switzerland, we choose to release Dan Bauman as we've been working with their embassy. And Dan's a free man. And his case is over. And I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and it was like Jesus was leaning over from heaven saying, surprise. Yeah. And the Swiss ambassador was in the room. He took me away. Three days later, I got on a plane and flew to Switzerland, and I was free. Amazing. Freedom wasn't just an idea anymore, yeah. but it was real. Yeah. And as I've thought of that moment many, many times throughout my life, when I've seen God rescue me from so many challenges throughout my life, I remember that day when I had freedom, and I had the freedom to use a phone, the freedom to go for a walk, the freedom to look at the sky, the freedom to eat what I want. Freedoms in life I just taken for granted my whole life. But by far the greatest reality was real to me. And it was simply this. Once again, I could throw rocks with Jesus. Once again, I could enjoy the friendship with God. The fact that God likes and enjoys me. And that reality changed my world again. And since then, it's been my journey. Incredible privilege and honor to help people discover how much he loves them. And the privilege that we get to simply walk with him because it's what he wants. It's just to walk with us. So that's part of my story so far. Wow. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for your stories. Sure, I'm just honored. Thank you for sharing them with us. Um, you've written a few books. I have. Uh, what books have you written? The first one was a book about my prison story called Cell 58. And I don't want to ruin the ending, but I heard it gets out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I never planned to write a book, and that just came up over years after being in prison. Out of that came other books. One's called A Beautiful Way, which is an invitation to just organic walking with God without any legalism or religiosity. And then the last book is a book on fear and how to deal with the fears that we face. And so these are books I've written. And where can people get hold of that? Yeah, we just simply go on Amazon. Okay. Yeah, and check there. And it's Dan Bauman, B-A-U-M-A-N. Yeah, that's my website, Dan Bauman is yeah. my name, but it's also, I have a website by my name. Okay, beautiful, people can get hold of it there. Yeah. And one closing thought, uh, this is called The Follower Podcast. Okay. So the whole emphasis is that uh, the, the goal is to follow Jesus. Yes. Um, if you could leave one message with the church and, and with people who believe in Jesus and with people who don't believe in Jesus, who are listening right now, uh, if you could say, why Jesus? Um, why, you could, people can choose to follow anything, a great number of things in this world. Why, why Jesus? What, what would you tell them? I would simply say, you're crazy not to. <laughs> yeah. The more I get to know Jesus, the more I realize he's more for me than I could ever be for myself. Yeah. He wants more good things for me than I could ever want myself. The things I've heard about him that create questions of his character, questions of his commitment to me, questions of how much he loves me, are all false. The more I get to know him, he is better than I thought. He does love me unconditionally. 
He does want the best for me. Like God wants more good things for me than I want for myself. And the more I get to know him, the more I realize, wow, why would I want anything else? Yeah, the Christian life is one where he's that good, you wouldn't want any else. And that is what I'm discovering again and again and again. Christian life is not what we should do. No, the Christian life is what we can't help but do. Why? Because he's that good. We want him and want to follow him and be with him and do whatever he wants. Because it's the right thing to do. Oh, who cares? No, we just can't help it. He's just so good. And it's transforming my heart. And I just want to do it. And I know he has that for all of us. Why? Because he loves us. Why? Because he likes us. Why? Because he enjoys us. Why? Because he's for us. What's not to like about that? That the God of the universe, he likes us, he's for us, he's with us, he enjoys us, and he loves us, and he wants us, and he's got good things for us. Yeah, and I mean, love the chance to tell people about it. Amazing. Thank you so much for being yeah. on the Follow Podcast. Thank you so much. So good to be with you.